and welcome everybody here to Reengage tonight. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Matt, and I just want to say thank you for being here tonight. Some of you maybe walked through these doors, and this is a familiar place. Others of you may have walked through those doors for the very first time tonight. Some of you walked in the doors, and you're encouraged about what's happening. Others maybe walked in, and things right now are really, really hard. I just want to say, wherever you are on that spectrum, uh, first of all, thank you for being here tonight, and uh, you are in a good place, a safe place, a place where you can be cared for and loved, where you can process. You don't have to feel like you have to perform or put on a happy face. Uh, This is a good, good place, and we are thankful that you are here. Uh, normally, our, our pace here in, at this time of our night at Reengage in large group is we have a couple come up and share their story of what God did in their life and in their marriage. And those are always wonderful and encouraging stories of hope and transformation. Uh, but from time to time, we do something a little bit special, and this is one of those nights. We have one of our teaching pastors here at Watermark, Timothy Atik. He also goes by T.A., uh, T.A. is going to uh, share with us about a subject that is kind of hard to, um, to talk about because uh, it brings such wreckage and pain into lives and into relationships. He's going to be talking about the issue of pornography, but uh, he's also going to be talking about the hope that is found for rescue through the gospel of Jesus. And so uh, looking forward to hearing from him. T.A., welcome. We're glad that you were here, brother. All right. Hey, it's uh, Matt. Thanks for having me. Truly. I'm uh, grateful to, to get to be here with you all tonight and to share. And uh, man, I, I'm just encouraged that you've made the decision you've made to come to reengage. Like you didn't have to make that decision. And the fact that you're here uh, is awesome. And I'm so glad that I get to be here with you and to talk about pornography. Um, that sounds weird, but I actually, it's funny, I, I did some extra schooling and uh, I, I did some doctoral work and I chose to do it on pornography and somehow I became the porn guy, which is not the guy you really want to be known as, but I'm just going to lean into it. So that's why I'm here talking about this subject. And the reason that I kind of became the porn guy is because when I was uh, in the summer between my eighth grade year and my freshman year in high school, my dad and I, we were in Indianapolis for the Indy 500 race, and we were flying back to Dallas, and I was in the Indianapolis airport, and I was, when I was there, I, I saw an inappropriate magazine sitting in a chair someone had left, and I picked it up, and I put it in my bag. I hid it from my dad. And without knowing it, I, that, that one small decision was kind of the spark uh, that kind of lit the match to a seven-year-long uh, intense battle with pornography. Uh, pornography, in a lot of ways, was, was a, a defining aspect of my high school and college experience. And uh, in I when sorry I'm getting tongue tied. Uh, for the last ten years of my life, I've been doing college ministry, and uh, 
while doing college ministry, I had the opportunity to share my story about pornography a lot of times. And what that has done is it has put me in situations with college students to talk about their own struggles with pornography. And the reason that that is so important is because what I've sat with for the last 10 years is I've seen people in the beginning stages of a struggle that is beginning. And without them noticing, without them realizing, it's something that is going to define their college experience and also their future marriages because there's an unwillingness to deal with it. And so maybe that's your story. Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what, that sounds a lot like me. Like maybe you started looking at pornography when you were in high school, and then maybe it caught fire in college like it really did for me, and then maybe you just never dealt with it and you brought pornography into your marriage. If, you, if that's your story, I'll just tell you this, you're, you're not alone. Statistics would say that many people have done that exact thing. And yet, part of my story is that uh, college is where my struggle with pornography really intensified, and it's also where it turned the corner towards hope and healing. And so, while I do want to spend a good chunk of my time just being an educational voice on pornography, I also want to be a voice of hope tonight. Okay, so that's what I want to accomplish. I do want to, in some ways, be an educational voice, like an informative voice on the subject of pornography, because some of you in here might have never struggled with pornography at all, and it's just good for you to be in the know, So, because you have a spouse that is looking at pornography, or you have friends that are struggling with it. Or maybe you are struggling with pornography, and just hearing someone else talk about it might open your eyes to some of the, the, the poison that is living in your life. So here's where I want to start. I just want to start with the reality that pornography is more accessible and acceptable than it ever has been in history. It's more accessible. If you think about it, uh, pornography kind of went mainstream with Playboy back in the 1950s. But at that point, it was kind of a niche deal for um, some upper-class white men. And uh, it was one of those things where you had to go someplace to purchase it. Now, we carry it around in our pockets because we have devices. So Pornhub, one of, if not the largest porn site in the world, uh, reported over 6.83 million new video uploads in 2019 alone. So this research is already outdated. We're talking about 2019. 6.83 million new uploads just in that year, which at that point was a record. Just to give you an idea of how much content that is, Pornhub explained that if you strung all of 2019's new video content together and started watching it way back in 1850, you'd still be watching it today. That's how accessible it is. But it's also more acceptable than it's ever been. 40 million Americans regularly visit porn sites. 35% of all internet downloads are related to porn. 25% of all search engine queries are related to porn. 2.5 billion emails sent or received every day contain pornography. The Barna Group 
uh, this is talking about teens and young adults. When you talk about it being more acceptable, the Barna Group found that only 32% of teens and young adults say that viewing porn is wrong. Uh, They also found that teens and young adults rank not recycling as more immoral than viewing porn. So if that just tells you kind of where our kids are kind of the next generation is at, now where are we at? A Gallup poll in 2018 found that 43% of adults view pornography as morally acceptable. That's 2018. 2021, a study conducted by BYU found that 70% of adults are at least somewhat accepting of porn use. So the reason I tell you that is just to state the reality. It's what we already know, but it's obviously it's more accessible because it's we carry it around and it's more acceptable. In terms of it being acceptable, my wife and I, we our favorite TV series is Friends, and we've just had Friends on repeat for all 16 years of our marriage. And even then, you know, Friends hit its peak in about 2003 with its final season. And if you go back even in the late 90s and early 2000s, what do you see? You see porn normalized in Friends. You see Monica or Chandler thinking that for, for Valentine's Day, Monica has got him porn. And that wasn't the case, if you know that episode. But there was even just the thought, and it was funny. Or Joey and Chandler stumble onto free pornography, and so they don't want to turn the TV off. And it's a punchline. It's supposed to be a source of humor. It's been normalized. The second thing I want you to realize is that porn is a people problem. We like to position porn as a guy problem. It's not a guy problem. It's a people problem. 35% of married women and 63% of married men indicated porn use in one study that was done. So did you hear that? 35% of married women. That means that right now, I'm not just talking to the guys in the room. I'm not I, I'm, I'm talking to both men and women who, who have found their way into a struggle with porn. Now, a really helpful thing to understand is this. The porn industry is seeking lifetime customers. Okay, it's just good to realize that. That the porn industry is seeking lifelong customers. Their goal is to hook you and to keep you for forever. And so one of the things that I had to realize in my own life as I was wrestling with pornography is that the the win for the porn in the sex tech industries is to convince you that fantasy is better than reality. That's the goal, that you would believe that a fantasy world, sex in a fantasy world, is better than sex in reality. Just think about what Pornhub, one of the largest, if not the largest porn site, each year they publish an insights report. And here's what they said. Users looking for a more realistic porn viewing experience could tune in and unzip getting everything they needed without all the real world troubles. Who needs in real life partner? Who needs an in real life partner? when you have point-of-view Pornhub videos on your side. Do you hear what they're saying? They're saying, why, 
why go to all the trouble? Do you know what it takes to kind of start the, the, to kind of pour fuel on the fire in your marriage if you really want it to be a good night sexually? I mean, you got to warm that thing up. You have to be intentional. You have to get the kids to bed and you have to make sure both people have enough energy and they're not too tired. And then you need to talk nicely and maybe give a massage. Like it just takes too much work. Why do you need that? When you've got porn on your side, it's, it's instant. That's, that's their thought process. And so how, how do they convince people that fantasy is better than reality? Two things. Number one, normalization. They, they've normalized pornography. Pamela Paul explains, in a pornified world, pornography has become seamlessly woven into the wake-up routine, the workday internet break, the bedtime ritual. It's part of revving up in the morning and relaxing at the end of the day. It's a prelude to sex or an alternative to sex. It's been normalized. Normalization and innovation, okay? So, this is just some insight into the evolution of pornography. So if you, if you think about how porn became mainstream, it was Playboy in about 1954. And Playboy was, it was topless pictures of women. women. And then in the 1970s, what you had was you had Hustler, which was a much more graphic magazine. But at that point, it was only sight. It was just sight. But then what happened is pornography made its way into video, and sound was introduced. And so you have sight and sound paired together. And now what you have is you have the the porn industry and the sex tech industry working together to, to interweave sight, sound, and touch. So that there is now devices in technology and haptic technology that through that you can actually have devices that allow you to feel a sexual experience while you are seeing it and hearing it. And the whole goal of introducing sight, sound, and touch is to replace real life intimacy. And so the reason I share that with you, here's why it's so important. Okay, I was listening to a podcast on the future of sex. This guy's talking about the future of sex, and they were unpacking just where the porn industry was at, where the sex tech industry was at. And here's what they said. This is startling. They said, it is not inconceivable to think that a day could come where a husband and wife would go into two separate rooms to have sex with one another through technology because the experience would be more pleasurable. You see what's happening here? Is you have an industry that is trying to hook people in. And so I just tell you that to say like, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole of all the technology, but as I've done research, here is what has happened. Technology now exists to where you can... There, there's, a, there's software that allows you to take anyone's face and pair it with a porn star's body to where now you can have virtual sex with anyone that you want in the world. And so it is removing the need 
for any intentionality with your own spouse because you can be with whoever you want to be. And now with the metaverse, you can't, you cannot just be with whoever you want to be, you can be whoever you want to be. So if you think about insecurities that come into our bedrooms, they don't exist anymore. And so it's just so helpful to know what the, inten- what the intention is of the porn industry. They're seeking lifetime customers. They want to convince you that fantasy is better than reality. Now, I want to just talk about the rationalization for porn because you have voices in this world. You have bloggers and celebrities and researchers that leverage your, their voices to advocate for the benefits of using porn. So one writer for Men's Health explained that erotic films can cause surges in testosterone that can improve your squat strength at the gym. You can laugh at that. It's okay. One woman who works for sexual, the Sexual Wellness Center said, women are increasingly viewing porn, which hopefully means they're engaging in some self-pleasuring. This is good news, as it indicates that women are taking charge of their sexuality, discovering their bodies and identifying what they like. Less shame, less taboo around female sexuality equals more exploration. So it's positioned as a women's right thing. One best-selling author on Amazon, I don't know what that necessarily means, not New York Times bestseller, but Amazon bestseller, said this, occasionally viewing pornography with your significant other ensures that you're on the same page sexually. Porn can be a good way of introducing new ideas, kinks, sexual fantasies into your bedroom repertoire. Those are the rationalizations for porn. And you might hear that and be like, yeah, I kind of want some extra strength at the gym. You know what? That makes sense for my spouse and I to watch porn, to get new ideas. It's all a rationalization. Because you have to understand the results of porn. What's the results of porn? And then we'll talk about the remedy for porn. Here's the results of porn. It cultivates unrealistic expectations. You expect to experience pornified sex in your marriage. Porn is instant, so you want your spouse to always be in the mood. Porn is all about you and your needs, and so you become selfish in the bedroom. And with porn, everything is pleasurable. So you wonder why your spouse doesn't want to do certain things, because in the pornographic films that you watch, everything is pleasurable. The Huffington Post quoted an adult film performer, and here's what she said. She said, porn actors spend hours in the same position to get the shot. You are sore after hours of filming, being on set. It's hot, and your makeup runs, and you get sweaty fast. You work long days and long hours filming to create a 15-minute clip of pure pure perfection. And now your spouse has to compete with that 15-minute customized clip of pure perfection. So it cultivates unrealistic expectations. Number two, it normalizes perverted desires. If you go and look, I don't encourage you to go and look, but if you were to go and look at what some of the most searched-for terms are on Pornhub, 
they publish their most searched for terms, they're all extremely deviant and perverted. But that's what porn does is it, is it normalizes perverted desires. Number three, it strains relationships. There are, there are a lot of studies that have been done of the impacts on porn, of porn on relationships. And studies show that porn use does a few things. Number one, it increases sexual dissatisfaction in your spouse. Number two, it increases self-consciousness in women about their body image. And number three, it increases the probability of divorce. That's what studies have shown. Next, it hinders spiritual intimacy. Because um, it's hard to run towards Jesus and towards sin at the same exact time. And if you just allow porn to linger in your life, if you rationalize it to the point where you tell yourself, I just, I just don't feel that convicted, what's happening is your heart is hardening to the things of God. And it's impossible to be close to Jesus when you have a hardened heart to the things of Jesus. And then the last thing it does is it causes lingering shame. Is it, you know, shame, guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am something bad. And shame just perpetuates that feeling of being a failure. And I know that feeling really well, especially when it comes to pornography. Okay, so that, that's just a bunch of education. What's the remedy for porn? Well, when I think about the remedy per, for porn, I kind of draw a distinction between the emergency room and long-term care. And both are needed when it comes to pornography. You, you need time in the emergency room. And that's like going to Regen. That's, that's um, cutting out, it's cutting off the supply of pornography. It's, it's changing your rhythms. It's changing your habit. It's, it's cutting off the supply lines to pornography in your life. It's, 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 it's cutting porn off in that moment. But long-term care is, is not just managing the behavior. It's, it's transformation that comes by the power of the gospel. And so I just want you to hear, if you're here tonight and you're struggling with pornography, if that is a current reality for you, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then there is good news. Because of what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross, we have three things. Number one, we have a new identity. We have a new identity. So listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen to verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity, that word in the Greek is porneia, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among who? Saints. That's your identity. You're a saint. You're a child of God. Sometimes one of the reasons that we struggle with porn is that we live under the wrong identity. We live under the identity of, of, you know what, I'm just a guy. Like, all guys struggle with porn. Like, all of my guy friends, they struggle with porn. That's just what guys do. No, you're living under the wrong identity. You're a saint. You're a child of God. 
I'm a liberated woman. Like, that's just part of what I deserve. That's one of my sexual freedoms. No, no, no. You're a child of God. You're, you're a saint. Don't live under the wrong identity. When you grasp you're a child of God, how do children of God live? If you're a saint, then things of sin are no longer fitting. Number two, though, you have supernatural power. Like, I don't know if you feel it in your bones right now, but there is actually supernatural power inside of you. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. Listen to the things that he wants you to know. He's saying, I want your eyes to be open. Like, wake up. Wake up. Open your eyes. Understand this reality. Because you know Jesus, I want you to know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and watch this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. I just want you to think about what Paul just said. He said, I want you to open your eyes and understand the access you have to what is an incomparably great power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So we just need to, I know some of y'all feel hopeless, but maybe no one's ever told you that every single day you actually have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. There is hope. There's hope. And then finally, you have God's people. Because when Jesus saves you, he saves you from your sin, but he also saves you into a family. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Here's the thing. It is hard to break, break free from porn in isolation. And yet God's given us things like regeneration in community groups so that we can lift one another up and encourage one another along the path. You know, what happened with my pornography struggle is, is a guy from church called me. I was applying to be a Bible study leader at this church in College Station, and one of the leaders called me and said, hey, T.A., we love you, but we can't let you lead while you're looking at porn. And I was like, what? Like, everyone looks at porn. And it was for the first time in my life I realized, no, not everyone looks at porn. And it's possible to break free. And so what was, what was amazing is that the Lord began to go to work in my life. And I began to live as the child of God that I was. I wasn't just a stereotypical college guy. I was a child of God. I was a saint because Jesus had changed my life. And I began to tap into the resurrection power on a daily basis, I woke up and I chose to quit porn every day. And I would wake up begging God, God, today, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you allow me to see the way of escape and to take it? So I began to tap into resurrection power. And I had God's people in my corner who were encouraging me along the way and holding me accountable. And the same can be true for you. And so I'm here tonight not to beat you over the head if you're struggling with porn. I'm here to tell you, hey, there is hope. And if you're married to someone who has, 
who's struggling with porn, let me, here's what I would encourage you to do. Pray fervently for your spouse every day. Number two, be honest with your feelings. Be honest with your spouse. Tell them how it makes you feel when they look at porn. And number three, expect them to take action. Expect them to. Demand that they take action. And that word demand, it might sound unhealthy in marriages, but it's, it's what you're doing is you're fighting for them. You're not fighting with them. You're fighting for them. Because what they have is they have, they have something toxic in their life. And by you demanding that they take action, you're not giving ultimatums. What you are saying is you're saying, I love you enough to tell you that for you to do nothing is not an option. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for the power of your gospel that you left heaven and came to earth, that you lived the life that we couldn't, that you died in our place. You conquered the grave. And you save us from our sin, but you, God, you, you save us from the penalty of sin, but you also save us from the power of sin. And you have made a way for us to experience resurrection power in our lives. I pray, God, for my friends here who are currently struggling with pornography. And my hope and prayer, God, is that tonight might be the beginning of healing. And they would begin to believe that uh, there is greater joy uh, apart from porn. And so, Lord, do your healing work. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.